Talked about Brandon Miller. I, I do think, like I, I was telling Ryan, you, you got to raise the stakes at each compliment of Dalton Connect. I haven't gotten to, hey, National Player of the Year. I think that's next. I've left that alone. Zach Eady has such a big lead, although I will say I think DraftKings updated and, and Dalton Connect's only plus 1,500 now. So he's gone from 20 to 1 to 15 to 1 just over the last week. I do think Ryan is 100% correct that this this upcoming weekend against Kentucky is is his moment to to really catapult himself into the national conversation. I got I think the college basketball world knows Dalton Connect obviously. Tennessee is a top 5 team in the metrics Tennessee is a top 3 team. Rick Barnes, Hall of Famer, all those things. Like Tennessee is on the radar. They are a premier program. But I don't know if Dalton Connect has made it past the just the college basketball fan to like the big sports fan. And like if you go into Rupp Arena and you score 30 points and Tennessee wins, that leads Sports Center on Saturday nights, or at least is in the first 15 minutes of Sports Center. Yeah. That's when it becomes a a national sports conversation and you get outside the college basketball bubble. College basketball world knows Zach Eady. He's been there for a while. He's been on this stage for a while. Dalton Connect's still fairly new to it. His best game against North Carolina, it was good, but it was in the middle of the week during like a weird time in December where people aren't really paying attention to sports as much. Now we're in the basketball, we're in the college basketball season. It's 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 now time for that push. Once you get to the first weekend of February, that's when it's like a race to the finish line. He does have some marquee games or potential marquee games coming up. You've got Kentucky, like you said. We play Kentucky twice. Um, the Auburn game, because of the Bruce Pearl factor, that that game's going to get a lot of attention. Tennessee's last four games, I've been on that. Like Those are all four big opportunities between Bama, Kentucky, even South Carolina on the road. I mean, that's not going to be a national game, but it's a quad one opportunity. And then, yeah, you know, the uh, Kentucky-Alabama-Auburn trio there. Like he, he has a chance down the stretch to really be on TV a lot. Yeah, it's exciting, man. It really is. And, and to me, just being in the conversation is enough. Like, if Dalton Connect finishes second, I think we'd all take having the second best player in college basketball, and he's proven that. And the Dalton Connect show has rolled on. Talked about Brandon Miller, you know, last year. To me, he's probably the, the best SEC player since Anthony Davis. I think at this point, Dalton Connect, Sam, am I going too far by saying he is better than Brandon Miller? Or at least has a chance of finishing better than Brandon Miller in college. I don't think that's crazy at all. I mean, I think they kind of have a you know similar archetypes kind of in how they play the game. I think honestly, Connect's probably a better three point shooter just off of memory. I don't have no, numbers that's, that's, on me. I feel no, like no, that's but, not true. Miller no? was Miller wasn't Miller was not as good around the rim. Connect, yeah, Connect's better at driving and is more of a grown man. Miller shot like thirty nine percent in college from three. Is Connect not around like forty right now? I guess now Connect – for a while, Connect was like at 37, 38, okay. but I guess maybe now he is closer to 40. You're right. But I, I, I always thought Miller's volume was more, though, for yeah, three. Yeah, maybe, right. maybe in terms of, like, efficiency, I think yeah. Connect is a more efficient player than, yeah. than Miller. But, yeah, absolutely, I think I would say Connect is just as good or better. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, Connect has been on a little bit of a tear. I guess he is now close to the 40% range. I was thinking of him maybe more so still in the 37, 38. But, you know, Brendan Miller had the 41-point game against South Carolina in overtime. That was after, you know, basically the the gun stuff started. That was kind of his response as South Carolina fans were trolling him, and he came out and kind of had a this-is-who-I-am moment. That was his best game. He he had that game plus three other 30-point games, so 
So we had four total 30-point games. Dalton Connect is at that mark right now with still half the season left to play. So he has a chance in bypassing him there. As far as like just the stats, you know, Brandon Miller was what? Uh, a 20, 20 points a game score. It's got his NBA stats here for some reason. I don't want his NBA stats. I'm looking for his college stats. I mean, because his college stats, but, but yeah. So like I, I think Connect has a chance to be the best SEC player since Anthony Davis. I don't think he can pass Anthony Davis unless he wins a national championship, scoring 30 points a game during that entire run. Yeah, I'm just looking back at. I I, I don't disagree. I look back at previous SEC players of the year. You know, Grant won two years in a row, but I think I actually I do think Dalton's a better player than him. Uh, much we love Grant. Um, Overall, we don't we don't talk about Connect's defense. He did have some blocks against Vanderbilt. Now Grant was a better defensive player, so I want to give him his due there because I mean Connect's better offensively, but Grant very solid, well rounded. I mean, of course he's a Tennessee legend, but yeah, I mean like projecting if. If this run even comes close to continuing and it becomes – and maybe it goes down to 24 points a game instead of 30. But, yeah, you'd have a hard time saying Grant was better than him at that point. Correct. If he, if he sustains this for the next month. SEC Player of the Year. I know Kentucky's pushing for Reeves. That seems like a reach to me, but maybe Saturday he swings that. And if he balls out and, you know, maybe maybe the key for Connect really separating himself is A, Connect scoring, but also what Meshack can do to Reeves to slow him down. If Meshack can have a, a similar performance that he had against Sears and last year against Brandon Miller, you know, Meshack could really help that gap grow. And that's an, that's an interesting observation because I think on the other side, um, you know, we've seen it with um, Kentucky in terms of their Ken Palm ranking for defense. It's it's horrible. Yeah, they're like a number 100. Yeah, so they don't – I would imagine they don't have the kind of stopper Tennessee has in Meshack. So – Yeah, I mean, they definitely don't have a stopper of the same type of Meshack. I think Meshack is one of the five best perimeter defenders in the country. And, yeah, Kentucky can't have anybody close to that. Right. Yeah, I mean, Reed Shepard's probably got to be their best maybe on-ball defender, but okay. that's nowhere near Meshack. Yeah, they're 70th in adjusted defensive efficiency, which is higher than I thought it would be. Uh, big game from your boy uh, ZD, L- little ZD. Uh, you, you guys' favorite player that you guys were ready to call, uh, you know, the next great foreign basketball player. I, I thought they had found the the next Nikola Jokic with the way you guys were acting. I saw he's played three minutes against Arkansas. Grab two rebounds. Oh, Sam and I know who the next Nikola Jokic is. <laughs> he wears goggles. <laughs> that guy is he from Indiana State? Yes, is that right? Yeah, yes, sir. So he's a player, man. Um, uh, Ivasic or Ivicic. the next Luca? Then I guess. <laughs> yeah, the way you guys are acting, the behind the back pass, and all Kentucky fans were acting that way. Ah, it was it was impressive, but yeah, now he uh, what did he play against? Uh, he played three minutes three against minutes, Arkansas. Yeah. I, mean, I, I saw going into the South Carolina game like they're Rupp Raptors or whatever. Like somebody's like over under. Points for Big Z, uh, 25, and he had, 25. He had three. Goodness. Yeah. Even, even Sam and I wouldn't have said that. Yeah. Um, that. Maybe that was because Calipari understood the gravity of that game. I mean, they lost to South Carolina. South Carolina's good. We're going to see that tomorrow night. Um, the Arkansas game, if they had lost that one, that's when the natives would have gone ballistic. They needed to win that game, so he probably didn't have time to experiment with his uh, new big guy. 
yeah, Arkansas is you know terrible, and their one of their leading guards just quit the team right before the game. So yeah, that that was a must win. But with that being said, Kentucky did not look good. Yeah, in their must win, they they toughed it out and won. And I guess in the SEC, that's really all you can ask for. But they got a big opportunity against Tennessee on Saturday. Tennessee's got a big opportunity against them. You're going to get their best shot. You have the last couple of years, especially in Rupp. You, you you got blown out two years ago, and Ryan was right. You, you pretty much got blown out last year too. You, you came back and made a little bit of a push, you know, out of the gates to to get it single digits, but you never really thought you were winning that game. They've absolutely been ambushed in Lexington for a couple of years. That's the other thing I would love to see them go and and well, of course, win. But I, I it's got to be. At worst, even if they happen to lose, it's got to be a close game. I, that that will that will send everybody reeling in the fan base if they go and get blown out at Kentucky. It's a big game, man. It's really, really become. It's always important, but it feels to me like it's more important than it has been in years past. Now, I left it off of my list of of growing praises of Dalton Connects, but during the snow week, we did we did pivot or I pivoted to saying that he was the best college basketball transfer of the year and maybe ever. And a name you pushed back with was Oscar Sheboy, who also won an SEC Player of the Year. At this point, with the run, you know we've added three more games. I think since then, Dalton Connect, Oscar Sheboy, who you taking? Connect. Yeah. So now maybe he is the best basketball transfer, at least in the SEC. I mean, again, the uh, what's what's lost with some people is that you know Sheboy stayed too long too after he won National Player of the Year. The way their offense was so centered around him, it hurt Kentucky, in my opinion. He actually became a liability for them. Uh, so, yeah, I, I would say connect. Well, especially when you add in the defense. I mean, he he was a he was a, a detriment to their defense. He could not yeah. guard in the pick and roll. And I, I'm not going to act like Dalton connects to Scottie Pippen out there, but yeah, he he plays better defense than Oscar Sheboy did. So yeah, I think he's passed him at that rate too. Emmanuel Quickly, Herb Jones. I mean, those guys are NBA players, but I don't think either one was better in college. Reggie Perry, Mason Jones. They gave, they gave three people SEC Player of the Year in the COVID year. Grant went back-to-back. Back. He split it one time with Yontay y- Mayton from Georgia. Sendarius, it's a good pull. Sendarius Thorn- Thornwell. Sendarius Thornwell. Malik, Malik Monk. I mean, Thornwell, was that the year they he took South Carolina that in the was, Final Four? That was Final yeah. Four year for Correct. South Carolina. Okay, he, yeah. he was pretty good. He was nasty, yeah. Um, maybe maybe I've forgotten him in terms of thinking about you know the best players in recent SEC history. Maybe he deserves a seat at that table. I'm going to do a really deep poll, and it predates you guys, but uh, John probably knows of him. Up until just recently, maybe the best – one of the best – best college basketball players I ever saw was when I was watching in real time was Chris Jackson. Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf now is what he goes by. That was back in 90. It was a long time ago. Long time ago. But man, he was he was incredible. Incredible. And it makes you realize too, that that LSU team had him and Shaquille O'Neal and a guy by the name of Stanley Roberts and they won nothing. Plays into me thinking that Shaq's one of the most underachieving basketball players of all time considering like how great he was i know he won four championships but it feels like like you said college should have probably won one nba probably should have won two or three more if he could have stayed in shape yeah. and took it seriously but going back to thornwell 21 points a game in his senior year solid but i mean yeah. i guess connects average is still going to be around that since the early season kind of took him down though 
I keep thinking of Connect as a 27, 28 points a game guy, but by the time you actually get to the end of the season, it, it probably won't be that high because you'll have to average in the games from December where he was kind of banged up and the non-conference games where he kind of just coasted and took it easy. Yeah, finding Thornwell's SEC numbers might be yeah. might be a little bit yeah. more uh, indicative. Yeah. I'll have to do that, I guess, manually. Is there a website that has yeah. SEC numbers? I don't know, yeah. I don't know how easy you can pull that SEC one up. SEC basketball stats <laughs> only. I'll see if I can find those. But you're right. Like the, the conference play and going through the game log and stuff, that matters more. And, and Brandon Miller took his game up a level in SEC play as well. Yeah. Just looking kind of a little bit at Brandon Miller's stats there, it, it I, I think kind of the big difference between those two's game is just the efficiency standpoint. Brandon Miller was like a – 43% field goal guy and, and, you know, connects in there closer to like 49, 50%. Yeah. But also Miller, you know, grabbed eight to 10 rebounds a game. True. Too. Like he, he was yeah. doing a lot of that as well. So Brandon Miller's obviously great. What about uh, Contavious Caldwell-Pope? Had a great second season at Georgia. It, it's so weird when I saw that name because with a couple of those guys like Herb Jones too, like it's, it's so weird thinking of them as just like NBA role players. Which I mean, that's what Dalton Connect will be too. I don't think Dalton Connect gets to the gets to the league and is a go to guy. I mean, I think he's a guy that you hope can hit some threes and score eight to ten points a game, which is kind of what Contavious Caldwell Pope is with the defense. So yeah, it's weird. I, I when when you look at those guys, it's hard to not think about their NBA career because like I don't remember Contavious Caldwell Pope being SEC Player of the Year. I mean, I know he could probably score and was probably really dynamic and good in college. Yeah, kind of same as like Tony Allen, like. If you go back and look at Tony Allen, like in the NBA, like, hey, he's just a defensive guy and can't really score. And you go look at his Oklahoma State numbers, and he was averaging like 18 points a game. Kind of same for Marcus Smart. Like, it's Contavious Caldwell Pope kind of has that for me. Yeah, I'm looking at, I look at his numbers. You know, he 18 and a half points a game, uh, seven rebounds a game, not bad there. Shot 37% from three point range, not fantastic. Okay. Yeah, to win SEC Player of the Year with that, I mean, it must have maybe it was like Sam said the conference numbers were just crazy, or maybe yeah. the defense. He was also like on you know elite defensive player. I don't know. What year was that? 2013. It's the year after Anthony Davis yeah. got it. Um, yeah, I don't even know if Georgia was any good back then either. I'm gonna guess not because I don't think they've ever been good. Yeah, they were. Uh, no, they were 15 and 17. You're right. Yeah. Must have just that was a just down, a down year for the SEC. Kentucky and sucked that yeah. year too. And that was a Conzo year. Like, I mean, that was yeah. a bad year. Okay. Well, Dalton Connect, you got the chance to be the best SEC basketball player since since uh, Anthony Davis. And, you know, the whole Allen Houston thing we talked about. Oh, they can pass Allen Houston. Although I'm not going to act like I watched Allen Houston. I didn't either. It's going to take a lot for me to confidently boost him ahead. But, hey, you know, maybe. Maybe. You're not going to catch the king, though. You're not going to catch Bernard. That's your new goal. That's who you're trying to. That's who you're striving to catch. Sam sent us to break. It's the morning show here on Fan Run Radio. All right, we talked NFL football. We 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 talked about the games from yesterday. We got two weeks to do the Super Bowl. We spent an hour, at least an hour, on Dalton Connect in Tennessee. Do we need to do like an updated bracketology or net ranking? I don't think there were much movements on either of those. Tennessee now the favorite to win the SEC after the Auburn loss. Tennessee 
had basically pulled even with them prior to that game. And, of course, now after the loss, they are now your favorites to win the SEC regular season at plus 115. So basically basically even money. It's a coin flip whether or not Tennessee is able to do it. So a good weekend for them in that regard. Yeah, just makes – and uh, this is what we love. I mean, this week's big. I mean, the the South Carolina game, obviously not a gimme tomorrow night. Uh, Tennessee needs to take care of business. Uh, I'll be interested to see what the line comes out on that one. It's, you know uh, – South Carolina? Yeah. I imagine it'll be somewhere around – similar to what it was with Vanderbilt, 13 points. Do you think so? Think it'll be lower or higher? I think it'll be lower. No, I think it'll be – I think it'll be around 13. Sam, what do you think? Mm, I think it'll be kind of more of like 10, 11. I thought 10 myself. Well, all price is right. I'll take 12 and a half, and you guys can have everything (laughs) under. Uh, I'll compromise. Since you guys said 10, 11, and 10, I'll give you even an extra point and a half. I'll I'll take 12 and a half. Being at home might help, though. Well, being at home is going to be a a big help. Tennessee is going to – I mean, South Carolina beat Kentucky – but I just think the metrics play such a big part in like the analytics, and Tennessee's still quite a bit ahead of South Carolina in that. So yeah, I'll, I'll say twelve and a half or above. Tennessee up to fourteen to one, or down to fourteen to one to win the title. Hmm. So that's moved a lot over the last couple of weeks as Tennessee is now thought to be like legitimized in the national conversation. That went from twenty-two to one, and last week was sixteen to one. They drop a couple more spots, fourteen to one only. Only behind North Carolina, Houston, Connecticut, and Purdue. So the fifth best odds to win the title. That sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. Tennessee's still kind of holding on as a two seed, so no big updates there. So we, we can switch gears now. We have exhausted that conversation for the day. We'll do it again tomorrow. Stats by Will as we kind of preview South Carolina. They, I was just looking at bracketology. The last ones, both from uh, Lenardi and Jerry Palm, came out on Friday, and they, they're both pretty consistent. They still have Tennessee as a two seed both going into the the south with Houston as the one seed in that region. But uh, I was going to ask if you guys got a chance to watch any of the other uh, top teams play a little bit on the weekend. No, nah, I really didn't. Uh, I didn't. I had a golf event and the Royal Rumble, and I, I watched Auburn. I watched Auburn play. I watched that Mississippi State game. But outside of that, that was pretty much it. Sam, you? Yeah, I was watching hoops all all Saturday. I watched uh, that Kansas game, obviously. Uh, yeah. I was watching North Carolina, Auburn, Mississippi State. Uh, watched that Arizona game and then watched the Kentucky game also. So I was kind of all over the place. Doing some scouting. Good yeah, job. Yeah. Bob, what were your takeaways from the national college football well, game? Or college basketball game, excuse me. No, that's fine. I, I think that, uh, yeah, to Sam's point, the Kansas-Iowa State game was as good as advertised. Mm-hmm. Eli got that one right. He uh, – he, he had kind of pushed that as a kind of a win. You know, he picked Iowa State by a possession. And it um, could have been better, but there was – anybody who went with Kansas – or I'm sorry, Iowa State minus four and a half got hosed. It was a hosed. serious backdoor <laughs> cover at the end. Uh, Iowa, uh, Iowa State misses the front end of a one-on-one. Kansas gets down with five seconds to go, hits a three-pointer at the buzzer. Um, but he said he had him at three and a half. Um, yeah, that was a tough one, but uh, but kind of hope he had four and a half after what he did to me with the <laughs> Baltimore game. Just to be honest, um, what was interesting there was post game Bill Self complaining about 
unbalanced scheduling in the conference. He was basically saying that it's not favoring Kansas, but it favors a lot of other teams. And it's like, man, you, I'm sorry. I, and I think we talked about good coaches last week, and we love Bill Self as a coach. Take all the other noise out of it. But that is the last guy I want to hear complaining about scheduling inadequacies. I mean, they're, they're, they're there every year. So... Um, Houston. I watched a little of Houston for the first time, and uh, man, they're well. Jerome Tang from Kansas State said that's the best college basketball defense he's ever seen. Ever, um, their defense is great. Obviously, they they're so counter. They you know we we talk about how important it is to have a big to go deep into March. They don't. Their biggest guy is six seven. Um, but they just get after it, and they're they're just so so good. Samson's such a good coach. It was really the first time I've watched them for an extended amount of time. I came away really impressed. Um, and Car and Carolina. The other thing I'll say, and I'll open it up for you guys and your thoughts is, I watched some of North Carolina at Florida State, and it underscores what we've been talking about. Winning on the road is hard. Florida State's okay, but they were with North Carolina all the way through, and North Carolina's hot as hell. Yeah. So. Yeah, I know my friends were all kind of locked in on that game, hoping North Carolina would stumble, but they were able to kind of squeak it out. Houston, kind of what we talked about, no big. They're going to have to rely on some timely three-point shooting, and that's just scary when it comes to the tournament. True. You know, Tennessee has fallen, you know, twice the last couple of years because of, of bad three-point shooting in the tournament. Those big arenas, especially in the Sweet 16, Elite 8, you start playing. I mean, I know Madison Square Garden is still – a basketball arena, but to get dropped in there and have to play a, an important game there, kind of like whenever Kenny Chandler and them had to play in Indianapolis, you know, in, in Baker's Fieldhouse or wherever it was at, like those are big NBA-style things, and Thompson Bowling is like that, but it's not quite the same, and everything's different, and it just – you need to be able to score inside, whether by driving the basketball or or by, you know, getting to the free throw line. What did you? We haven't talked about Zakai. Any thoughts on his game from the weekend? I mean, he's kind of settled back in as that ten and five guy, the 17, 18, 20 points a game he had started conference play with, kind of settled back down to just being a consistent ten points. I, I would say it's more of what I expect from him. It's been wonderful when he's had those big point games, but I I just didn't think that was sustainable with him. Uh, I, I'm not sure I'd want it to be sustainable with him, to be honest with you. Again, we want. After what we've been seeing, I think we want Connect getting more of the shots than Zakai. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I want Connect getting twenty shots a game. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how that works if somebody takes him out or you know if he's struggling. But until he starts struggling, we won't have to worry about that. Eight six five five four six eighty two hundred. We'll open the phone lines up for the last thirty minutes of the show. Bob, you said you had some media stuff you wanted to get to? I do. I want to talk about a topic in particular, which is uh, the situation that's going on with the front line, what I would call the top NFL analysts Okay. Um, that's coming up. So, yeah, I definitely want to talk about that. Before we go, though, one more thing in college basketball. Southeastern 14, I don't know if you follow that, but that's a that's a great follow as well. You have to rebrand to Southeastern 16 soon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, through three weeks of SEC play, the all-Ken Palm team for SEC players, um, Janai Broom, Dalton Connect, obviously, Mark Sears, Wade Taylor, 
Jonas Adu. Jonas Adu. Yeah. Notice I'm a name a- that's not on there from Kentucky. Big Z? Reeves? No. I mean, I don't know. He's no, a- Antonio Reeves. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, <laughs> your two favorite players, I was just checking. Uh, Sam, how are you holding up with Big ZD and, and Reeves not being on the list? I'm feeling fine about that, honestly. I think that's a good list. I think those are probably your five best players in the conference right now. So that's just – so Kim Palm's just doing it from metrics, like who the five Absolutely. best – Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, like those – those seem to check out as to what you're actually watching on the game, too. I mean, Connect and Adu, I think, are both top five players in the conference this year. Yeah, I agree. Especially and when you're talking about efficiency, because like Adu does so much with little, like low usage. You know, he gets the ball, he scores, and then doesn't you know get a lot of shots. Say he's missing. This comes back around to again this whole argument that Kentucky fans have about their guys should be getting their flowers for uh, SEC Player of the Year. I would argue. Honestly, everybody on that list except Adu would be at the level of Reeves or maybe in front of them, and that includes Sears, Wade Taylor, who's a gamer, and yeah. Janai Broom, who's playing great. Just let that go to show you, Kentucky. You're no longer the runaway premier co- uh, program in basketball, especially in the conference. You're not. Sorry. The playing field is now even. And one more thing on the college basketball front. We didn't. We we communicated on social media about it, but what in the hell is tennis is Texas's problem, man? Oh my god! I mean, it's unbelievable. What? Why they think uh, they're going to get slaughtered in the SEC? They're going to they're yeah. going to cry. Yeah, we we keep saying we want to do winners and losers of the weekend. We need to eventually get back to doing that to kind of recap the weekend because Texas to me would have been the second biggest loser of the weekend. Who was your biggest? BYU for apologizing. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I was saying that. Mark Pope, I was like, come on, man. What, what, why are you doing that? You, we don't do that here. Shut up. There's a yeah. shirt. Like, I understand if you're BYU and you're like, hey, we don't chant profanity. We don't do things like that. I get that. I respect that, BYU. Hey, we don't drink soda in our stands. Okay, that's fine. No sex. All right, that's fine. I get it, BYU. You do you. The rest of college athletics does them. But, like, to say we don't wear a shirt that says horns down, that spells out horns down, like, really? Really, BYU? Texas has been crying about this for a month and looks about as soft as anyone, and somehow BYU comes out looking like bigger nerds because they apologize and ask their students to take the shirts off. Give me a break. But, yeah, like, one thing I remember from childhood is that if you let people know that you're insecure about something – will definitely do it less when they're trying to bother you. <laughs> when your brother knows that it bothers you that you don't have any eyebrows because of a tragic accident where you fell into a coffee table and lost your eyebrows, and you have rosacea so your hair doesn't grow grow great, and it looks like you don't have eyebrows for, until you're like in sixth grade, I did realize that telling my brother that that bothered me, he definitely never brought it up whenever he <laughs> wanted to fight with me. He definitely never talked about me not having eyebrows. I just hope... Uh, it must have felt bad that they, you know, they ran him out. And so I guess he was like, well, that's enough. I'm going to actually take the high road. I, I I couldn't believe I was hearing that. It's like they're just feeding the, the Texas madness. And I'm sorry about your situation with your brother. I no, hope Danny like, White has a they horns down in. T-shirt yeah. for us the first time that Texas comes to Neyland Stadium. Yeah, I mean, like the SEC. I mean, like, I, I, look, so a, a tweeter sent this in. So I don't I don't know his name. I didn't go back and get it. I don't. This isn't my thought, but it's a good point. So you're kind of getting credit. But like he's like, hey, hate Florida, but at least give them for credit for not crying about the Gator Chomp. Yeah. Like every fan base taunts Florida with the Gator Chomp whenever they lose. Like that's that's uh, the players doing the court. Yeah. 
and you never really hear Florida cry about it. So very rarely will I say something nice about Florida, but I'll at least say at least they haven't cried and ran to the commissioner like, please make them stop doing the gator chomp, please. <coughs> it's true. Because, like, I mean, it's just a, it's just a simple hey, horns down. Like, Oklahoma's been doing it for 20 years. Like, why does it bother them that everyone else is doing it? Yeah, there's a picture of Josh Heupel doing it coming off the field when he played in Oklahoma. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, it's been a thing for a long time. Like, why all of a sudden has it became such a, a point of contention or, like, such a soft spot for them? Again, it's not vulgar. I get if you don't want to hear people say bleep you and all that stuff. I get that. There, there's certain things you don't want your kids to hear and, and players and, like, you know, your religion all that. I get it. But, like, to, I can't imagine being a, a grown man with kids and be like, no, no, turn those upside right. Please don't disrespect her, 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 her mascot, her symbol. It's like a rule in the Big 12 that they can't do it. Is that rule going to transfer over into the SEC? I hope because not. it better not, yeah. I hope not. Which I think that's part of the reason Texas has all of a sudden tried to like steal the power T. Like if you look at some of their their logoing they're using, they're using that power T a whole lot more now. I think they're trying to get away from the horns so people quit putting the horns down. <laughs> but yeah, keep crying about it because the more we know it bothers you, the less all the mean college fans will do it. They'll respect your your trigger warning. Is this but is this a Rodney Terry thing? Because I never have heard Sark say a word about this stuff. You know? No, it became a football thing a couple years ago where the conference basically stepped in and was like, you're going to get a penalty and like it's going to be this. You, you can't do it. So like it's not just a Rodney Terry thing, but he's making it worse. Yeah. And like in basketball, of course, you have more interaction with the fans than you do in football. So like it's not like Sarkeesian's running up to the crowd and telling them not to do <laughs> That's it. That's true. That's true. You only play four road games in conference usually. I mean, I don't know if the Big Ten, maybe they play five. I don't know, but I don't think they do. I guess some years they may be. I don't, I don't know what their schedule's like. But in the SEC, you play four road games, so it's not like you're going to be hit with it as many times in basketball as you're playing 10, 11 road games. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, like, if I was a Texas fan and the basketball team's getting blown out and our coach is making an ass of himself, it would put him on the hot seat as far as I was concerned. I'd be like, he took over Chris Beard's team. And did okay. Like, he did good last year. But now that, like, he's in charge of the program, we're an embarrassment. And, like, I would want to fire him. That's how I would feel. Like, he can't coach good enough, and he's making us – he's embarrassing us. He's making us look softer than we are. Yeah, that's what I thought about is if he ends up losing his job, does he start to point to – I just couldn't handle the – You drove me crazy. The outrage. (laughs) The damn – the horn's down. I I couldn't focus. I just see red. (laughs) That's what you should say. Like, wh- why did you get blown out by BYU? Well, th- that shirt. It's all I could focus about. Damn it. I just love this university so much, and I love Bevo. And when I see people disrespect Bevo and our horns, I just can't focus on anything. Um, That's why we got blown out. That's why we've lost twice by 20 points the last couple weeks is because, damn it, the horn's down. Another one to monitor. I just heard it from a listener who said uh, – did you see the student body from Butler University giving the upside down V when they they played Villanova on Saturday? Did you see that? I did see that. I, I didn't yeah. see an upside it. down V, like just down like this. Yeah, it was like. This. Oh, okay. I was trying to do it. Like, <laughs> yeah. oh, okay, I was doing it. Okay. Well, I'm glad we're not on video for that one, but uh, yeah. It, um, We'll see if uh, Villanova starts crying. Some, some hostile environments in in basketball. Ed Cooley come back oh, came back God. to the dunk this weekend, and he got berated basically they were saying they had to like it was almost a crowd control issue yeah, right yeah I mean, those providence the fans students were... like trampled getting into this into the yeah. uh, arena at the start of the game i gotta give 
one of their fans credit though because they had one of the best signs to bring into yes. the game. <laughs> Did you see it? It's, no. It spelled out coolly and it said C cheats. Oh, on wife, and that was it. Because <laughs> those are rumors. I mean, like those are actually some pretty like hot rumors, and that's part of the reason yeah. why he jumped ship was basically like his wife caught him having an affair. I was like, "We're leaving." Like you're, you're. The students it. did a "Where's your mistress?" chant. Okay, so yeah, yeah I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, kind of like you know we do with Kiffin. I mean, yeah. Kiffin, we did the same thing with him. So like, it makes more sense for Cooley leave Providence for you know what Georgetown. I mean, just to go there. I mean, I, I get Georgetown's a historic program, but like. Yeah, so that sign just cheats on wife, and that was it. That, <laughs> Didn't even bother with the other letters. That, just, game, that game had two of the all-time great <laughs> player names, too. Uh, Georgetown's got Supreme Cook is his name, <laughs> and then and then our old Tennessee guy, Ticket Gaines. Mm-hmm. He's, like, changed his name, like, to Ticket. Yeah. yeah. Um, pretty good, actually. Yeah. He's actually played pretty well. He's, he's, he's pretty solid, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Good for him. Um, <clears throat> yeah, that d- – I, the Cooley thing was a little much. I mean, he made Providence relevant again. That's uh, he basically went out and said that in his press conference after he was like, I mean, you can talk about, you know, me leaving this school all you want, but you could also say that like, I'm the reason why this this arena was like this this type of environment yeah. today. Yeah, is that true? Yeah, like is Providence yeah. basketball did it not really exist before Cooley? Well, they were. Way I remember back when, like back in the day, like I, I liked the teams they had back in the day a couple times. God Sham God. Well, no, not that, not that long ago. Yeah, but no, they um, they went to a Final Four way back, like in the seventies, and then uh, Patino. No, it wasn't Patino. Patino was there, but then Billy Donovan took him. No, Patino did take him to the Final Four. Billy Donovan was his point guard. Right. Um, <clears throat> and then uh, Barnes was there for a little bit. Tim Welch. They yeah they had some they had some dry years okay. for sure. Okay. Um, they were pretty irrelevant in the Tim Welch era for sure. So yeah, he he definitely brought them back to being somewhat relevant. They were getting, honestly, there was a moment where they were starting to be looking like the way DePaul does in the Big East right now. Okay. So he he turned it around. But uh, well, nice of Providence to stick to just making fun of his his adultery and not, like, the hair thing he's got going on. Because that would have been low-hanging fruit. And as a man that's follically challenged, I wouldn't have appreciated that. So, like, you know, at least they took the upper road, uh, at least in that that situation. All right, enough college basketball. We'll talk some media landscape as we get ready for the Super Bowl in a couple weeks. It's the morning show here on Fan Run Radio. This segment's brought to you by Knoxville Smiles. Don't put off your dental visits any longer. Dr. Stephen Malone and his staff take pride in listening to and communicating with their patients to help you, the patient, make the best decision about your dental health. At Knoxville Smiles, they do it all. Invisalign, veneers, implants, restorative procedures. You can get your teeth taken out, too, if you need to. Contact Knoxville Smiles today at 865-539-1776. You can take a tour virtually of their West Knoxville facility at KnoxvilleSmiles.com. KnoxvilleSmiles.com. All right, Bob, you said you wanted to look at Tony Romo and these lead NFL crews, Bill Belichick, some new in the news over the weekend in terms of his future. Yeah, this is going to be uh, our first crack at a segment I call Media Monday. I just think there's so much going on in this space. And, um, 
I just think it's it's good conversation. This one's timely because we're heading into Super Bowl, um, and it's regarding NFL color commentators. So both Fox and CBS, in my mind, are at really interesting crossroads. Fox essentially has, I think, the hottest football analyst commodity there is in Greg Olson. Uh, the guy is an amazing talent and has done it in a short amount of time. He's really become a top-tier analyst. On paper, though, he's about to cede his role as Fox's number one NFL analyst to a guy by the name of Tom Brady. He of the 10-year, $375 million contract he got with Fox. So Brady's actually going to be doing games next year? <clears throat> yeah, and he's set to take over next season as part of the number one team with Kevin Burkhart. Uh, that's messed up. Yeah. Olson. Greg Olson's good, man. Like for my money, Greg Olson's the best one doing it. I agree. Like Collinsworth is still holding steady. Like Collinsworth has had a long career. People got a little tired of him, but I think he stays sharp and stays able to be connected to the game. But to me, Olson, week in, week out, I think is number one. I agree. And um he is what's interesting is there's none of those big jobs available at the moment. So he'll likely move to a number two team. On Fox, working with, I think, uh, Joe Davis is who they were talking about. Take a cut and pay. He's currently making $10 million a year. Become, what? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this is this is crazy money. This is like what it used to be for big network evening news anchors. It's that kind of money. Um, so he's uh, he's going to take a cut and pay down to $3 million a year, which is still obviously great money for talking about yeah, a game. Making, making $10 million is way cooler. Yeah. But that's a big that's a big decrease. I mean, it's and it's very likely the way these contracts go when there's what is considered a diminution, as they call it, in in responsibility or scope, you have the ability to opt out of your contract. So if a good job comes along, he's going to be able to leave. Um, to me, what I hope, you know, and it, what I think makes the most sense, and I know that there's no like sports commissioner that's kind of making everything make the most sense, but like. With Greg Olson being available now, if he does take is diminution, say that word again. Diminution is that like a play on like demotion? Like is that like are those words related at all? Because um, it seems similar, like you know, to lose responsibilities. It's, uh, versus yeah, your your being role. Demoted. It's it's diminished. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like I would have no problem if they're like, hey, Kirk Herbstreit, we appreciate the try on Amazon, but like just go do college football and like take Greg Olson and put him there on the Thursday night with Al Michaels. I think that would be. A win-win because I mean Herb Street to me hasn't really done much with the NFL gig. I mean, he's not been necessarily bad, but I just think of college football when I watch and yeah, I listen to him. And you always will. And you always will. And he tries, but it's still he's still a college guy. And like Greg Olson's the opposite. Like Greg Olson, I think is really good at the NFL. So like in a perfect world, that would be a switch that was made. And, I agree. And, and, and you know, you make those spots work the tough spot for fox too is there's no guarantees brady's gonna work out you know he's he's supposedly doing a lot of prep work and not surprising i mean it's it's obviously a lot of money and that's his dna anyway is he wants to be good at it so i don't know there's a lot on the line there and um the the situation is again olsen going down to three million a year Put that in perspective well now you got brady making 37 and a half a year and you've got Aikman and and Tony Romo each making eighteen million a year, and and let's talk about Romo for a second. We talked about him a little earlier in the show, but a couple quotes just from yesterday, just from yesterday, one that he said, and I quote: 
in games like this, the ball matters more than any game. Um, I mean, I understand what he's saying. I think what he's going for is like, hey, this, these games matter more, so you can't have turnovers. It's a yeah. big game. Like you gotta, you gotta value the possession. Every possession matters more. Is what he's trying to say. Yeah. But yes, the delivery there is, yeah. is really, really bad. And then on Lamar Jackson's uh, pass that was deflected, and he caught it. So passing a reception by Lamar. Um, he wrote, "That's one of," the, or he said, "That's one of the greatest plays I've ever seen." This is intercepted one hundred percent, and it's like, "Well, no, it's not. It's <laughs> that's the whole thing. It's like it's the way he's delivering stuff, and that's just the latest examples. You know, he's only in year four of a ten-year, hundred eighty million dollar deal, and he was once viewed as a clairvoyant out analyst. Do you remember he used to predict plays? Oh no, this first year he was legitimately much watched television. Like he was yeah. very enjoyable because he was so locked in on what everyone was doing." I just wonder how he went from that to this because he wasn't good last year either. So it's not like he's he's obviously not old. No, um, I think he just stopped preparing. I think I think you're right, and and it, well, there's a combination of things. Keep in mind too, he's he was fresh out of the league. He knew a little more about play schemes. Sure, everything's changed in the league if you think about that over a four to that five. That drastically year though, because I mean, Greg Olson. <clears throat> I mean, would they not have been at the same time leaving, basically? I mean, and especially, like, when you no. compare tight end versus quarterback. I mean, like, Greg Olson maybe played one extra year, but, like, he's not. And, you know, Chris Collinsworth, I tell you, has been out of the league for 30 years. I mean, he quit playing in the 90s, right? So, I mean, like, but, I, I can't say Romo went from clairvoyant fortune teller to just completely, like, clueless nincompoop just because of, a, you know, two years out. And, you know, that might be a little harsh, but, like, he's just not good. Well, I think that's the thing. He's in his seventh year doing this. I think Olsen's in his fourth. But okay, uh, yeah. But but so I do think there is a little factor of him getting further removed from the game. But then he's not doing the work to stay close to it. Seven I think years? he's he's in his seventh year. Yeah, yeah. And so, <laughs> I mean, I don't know, Jim. You know, yeah. And just, I mean, this is a guy again making eighteen million a year. And I'm, I'm sorry. He's, most overpaid, he's the most overpaid person in sports. Yeah, the slip-ups are incredible. Remember, he, it was like back in December he called uh, Taylor Swift Travis Kelsey's wife. Um, yeah. You know, he called the, the Buffalo-Pittsburgh game. They had a clock malfunction, and so the clock went dead for a second. There were two and a half minutes left, and he said, he goes, you know, Plenty Nance, of time. No, Nance said no. Nance said something about, you know, when we get back, this is what's going to happen. And Romo said, no, it's halftime, Jim. And it's like, no, it's not, oh, man. Wow. Yeah, I mean, this is again. You do, those are those are enormous mistakes for somebody who's making that much money at that high a level. Yeah, I'm surprised Nance hasn't pulled rank and you know just been like, hey, we gotta get something else here. Yeah, something else here. He said the game was over yesterday with like nine <laughs> minutes left in the fourth quarter. Yeah, he's like the game's over, but it's not over. Yeah, he he's he got by with predicting plays, and also I think at first it was refreshing to hear. His excitement for football. I agree. You could hear that he like still loved football, like had the excitement, but like that wore off, and now it's just, well, what do you have to actually say when you're not predicting plays and everything just seems bad? And you're like, how are you playing? How how did you play quarterback at such a high level and not be able to like think of it in a deeper way? Because like Greg Olson, I think is has a good grasp on game management. You know how to manage the clock, when to go for fourth downs, has all these things that a quarterback should have. And like just not to compare those two, but to me, like one's way better uh, than the other right now. I agree, and that's my that's kind of my point. It's like if I'm CBS, <clears throat> given the amount of money that, for example, that a Brady made in his deal with Fox, given the 
impact and the magnitude that just continues to grow every year with the NFL. We talked about it, 93 of the top 100 shows on TV last year, the highest rated ones were NFL games. Um, <clears throat> I just think that CBS has some tough decisions. They, If I were CBS, I'd be making a run at Olsen right now and saying, you know, look at a buyout for Romo or demote Romo. I, I just think that that's what needs to, to happen. He deserves a bigger stage, even bigger than Amazon, well, in my opinion. Well, can you demote Romo? Uh, that's a good question. I don't know if it's reflected in his contract. Yeah, I was going to say, I'd imagine if he signs. Because, I mean, he was he was a hot free agent. Like, them locking him down, they had to give him a 10-year deal. And he was basically making just as much money to play – you know, as he played quarterback, I mean, he was making $20 million a year or so, and he was getting that to, you know, be yeah. the next John Madden, or, you know, it's kind of what they thought. But I would imagine that's guaranteed, and, like, they can't get demoted or, like, without saying no, or if, even if he does, they'll be paying their second guy $18 million a year, which doesn't seem fiscal, fiscally responsible. But then buy him out. I mean, he, he, I think, would, well, I think he would take that money. He loves golf still. He's still kind of dabbling yeah. with trying to be, uh, you know, on some level of getting exemptions to play on the tour occasionally. On Tony Romo to live golf after he gets bought out. So <laughs> yeah. There you go, live and pay Tony Romo to come play. I, I just, I I loved, I was with you, I loved Romo in the early years. It's just this last season or two, it, it is laughable, and it's sad to see now. What's happening is people are just pouncing on anything he says. Well, that's what I was going to say. Point. Once you lose the internet, you can't win because yeah. you're going to look for every mistake possible because even – Quite frankly, Bob, I thought your two were pretty nitpicky because, like, they sound dumb and, like, his delivery is not good. But, like, if we liked Romo, we probably don't, like, point those out. Because, like, yeah, tip ball at the line and, like, you did have two Kansas City defenders close it in. One of them is probably going to intercept that maybe not 100% of the time, but, like, 99% of the time that will be intercepted. (laughs) Instead, you know, Lamar comes and swoops in and steals the ball from him. And, like... If we had a positive view of Romo, we'd probably let that slide. But instead, it's like, wow, look at this idiot. He's saying 100% of the time, as Lamar just, you know, proved that's not true. And, you know, we've seen plenty of balls get fall to the ground when they get tipped up in the air. But we're but, out to get him now. Yeah, but someone like an Olsen would say something yeah, I could count on it would be more something like, man, just averted disaster there. You know, you got defenders everywhere. He runs. It was just – it. some of it is – I think it's lack of preparation. I also think it is – he's also so excitable that – he, it might be tough to find the words, you know? Yeah, and I think that happens. And But it also, you know, plays into he's not a TV guy. Yeah. He's not a TV guy. He hasn't had that training. And, you know, he bypasses. And that happens a lot in that industry, obviously, where if you play the sport and you're recognizable, you're going to get those opportunities. Yeah. And at first, you know, you overlook some of the, the rawness of it and you found it endearing. But then when you start realizing, okay, year five, year six, year seven – you shouldn't be making these mistakes anymore, especially if you're not going to give us the plays you're calling That's and, it. and you're going to ruin all the game stuff too. That's it. That's I would agree with that. And I just – I guess mostly what I'm getting at is this whole thing with Brady and Olsen. Fox has created it. I think it's unfair to Olsen, but, you know, he's he sounds like he's a team player. He's like, yeah, for now I'll do what you tell me to do, but I wouldn't be surprised. If the opportunity presents himself, he's going to bounce. He, he, he should. He's, he's elite already. I do think that Olsen as a tight end – probably more understanding of pecking orders like hey yeah throughout my entire career you know cam newton made more of a salary cap you know like the quarterbacks get the big salary the quarterbacks are the stars so he probably knows like hey in the pecking order tom brady is the biggest star in football of the last 20 years i mean uh, when you look at the longevity of course in the super bowls now if tom brady's not good and in year two you know greg Olson might feel differently like hey I, i'm better than this guy this guy's not actually any good 
I'd also be a little nervous if I was Fox about putting Tom Brady in that position and losing Greg Olson. Because I could also see this being something Tom Brady gets bored of in, in two years and doesn't stick around three or four, five, six, seven, you know, ten years doing this. That's right. That's right. Um, yeah, there's all sorts of chatter. He might get into ownership or something right. like that. So, um, you know, an interesting stat, too, was uh, – so Brady's deal, 10 years for – this is for Fox. 10 years, $375 million. He is making just as much money playing as he, playing quarterback. Exactly. He's making more. He's making more. Over his 23-year NFL career, he made $333 million. It's big money. Now Fox has a Super Bowl and Brady's calling the Super Bowl and he's great and he's, you know, they're putting on the best telecast with the most famous football player and you can get that insight of him having to interview Mahomes and all those things. Like, you know, might be worth it, I guess. But, yeah, it seems like a huge investment. All right, good show by you today, Bob. Good show by you, Sam. We'll do it again tomorrow. Jake Miller, Brett Holander, Marcus Young coming up next. I'm sure they got a fun show packed for you. Stay locked in on Fan Run Radio.